Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is episode 51, myself and Pro. What is going on? Bogues, what do you got going on, brother? Not much, man. A lot going on this week, uh, basketball-wise and on off-court all around the world. So we'll, we'll get right into it. But first, Pro, oh. some, some Pro Pub. Some Pro Pub. <laughs> Rick Carlisle with the shout-out. I just got, a, got, just got the text message not too long before we went live here to record. Rick Carlisle has has raved about Finney Smith and Jalen Brunson, their developmental success becoming outstanding players when he was with the, with the Mavericks, and he credited Mike Procopio. Can you believe that? Uh, I mean, I'm happy for the you know, I'm pleased <laughs> with the gesture, but it, no offense, but it's about five years too late, and you know, it's, it's uh. I probably could have got that about five years ago. Could have saved my job there, but what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, it would have been nice during contract time. Up is <laughs> up is down, down is up, left is right. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I, I haven't really thought about it much. I just, I got the text when, you know, people in the organization that were there and I was like, he's like, what, what do you think? What do you think? I'm like, dude, I haven't talked to him Cuban like three years. Believe me, like, if he really felt that way, I would have still been there. So, I mean, it's nice. It's nice for someone to recognize you. You know me. I don't, I, I, I don't love that. I don't, I'm not a big fan of that credit stuff, but when it comes to contracts and keeping jobs in your career, like that's the part. Like if it was real co- statement, if it was fake, just to, you know, to maybe to get some good pub, like, you know, from how we left last year and trying to get good pub talking well about people. Um, maybe he does it forward, but you know, in the NBA, that's how you get your assistance paid. That's how you get your assistance to get up. Like you actually mention them in the media. Like, you know me, I'm not, I'm not jumping on credit and I don't, I don't beg for credit. I don't beg for any of that. I didn't retweet any of that stuff. It's just, it's nice if they would have said that when, when it actually could have mattered, you know, but then again, I wouldn't yeah, have would have helped. Would have helped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You would help your actual credit rating if you got some credit. Yeah, That's no shit. Helped. You know, I don't have to be working at a Seven Eleven. I could actually be in, you know, be in the league or you know, making some money doing something. So, what are you yeah, going to do? Very interesting, though. Very interesting and random. I'm sure it's was, it was random for you because it's about you, but just such a random thing. But maybe, maybe pro, you need to pack your bags for Indiana the next couple of weeks. So you never <laughs> know. Just have that, have that bag ready in the garage. Hey, look, I'm I'm ready to pack my bags anywhere, but. It was weird. It was a weird deal. Like it is what it is. I'm not going to think much about it. It's just, uh, it would have been nice if it was done five years ago. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Anyway, had to lead with that one bit of pro pub, but team of the week. I'm interested to see who you've got this week for both because, um, I've got two good ones. I believe my team of the week. I'll go first. My, my, my team of the week, the Atlanta Hawks pro mm-hmm. six straight six and four in their last 10. So obviously six straight. So they'll own four before that, but um, six and four in their last 10, they're still tied for uh, what are they? 10th in the East because they just had such a dismal start to the season, bit of injuries, bit of COVID. They're 23 and 25 at the moment. We thought they'd be a lot better than they are. They're starting to show that the last 10 games um, that they are that team. We thought they were last season. They're still got a lot of work to do. Climbing out of that big hole is important. They're getting healthy. Like I said, Trey Young, um, East Player of the Week during that span, 31, 9, and 4, 47% from three. Actually shot it from three better than the field, 46%. In that span, um, second in offense, 
Oh, sorry, for the season, they're second in offense and 27th in defense. So that's their, that's their problem. They can't get stops right now. Uh, Capella, busy, Capella has been in and out of the lineup. But in, those, in that streak of six straight, their defense has lifted to eighth. That's a great formula. Second in offense, eighth in defense. You've got a good formula there to be a potentially a second, third round team. But um, looking forward to seeing what they can bring and where they can bob their head up. The East is very, very close. So they're only you know a couple of games out from moving up. Every every step of that ladder. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts being on the Atlanta Hawks before you give us your team? You know they're so up and down. They're so up and down, and they got they got a decent roster. They've had playoff success. You know they have a lot of stuff going for them. They got a good coach. They've got an all star point guard. You know you, you think and, and the good role players to fit. You know, but it's just something just doesn't fit with them folks i just don't i don't get what their deal is i can't i mean how how, how can you explain them folks can you explain them like i mean i understand well the defense is i didn't know their defense was that bad not on a i mean a eight coach team generally is not they, they, they're a bad defensive year for them is middle of the park 27th in defense for the season i mean it's like i said it's lifted to eighth during their streak i think it's fitting offensively okay if they're second in offense for the season, right? I think they're just not. There's no buying defensively, so I think that's that's a clear fix. But it, I agree, it, it has been janking. You just they don't pass the eye test. They're, from game to game, you're like, who is this team? What is their identity? Who are they? What are they trying to do? Look, we know Trey Young obviously is the head of the snake, and when he plays well, they have a chance to win. But it still seems like they're wrestling with 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 roles, who's what, who does what, and it, it, there are a lot of questions to be answered. But they have one six straight pros. So you have to give them give them a bit of credit that maybe they've turned it around. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think you know, just like any other team, COVID hit them pretty hard. You know uh, how they do do things and all that, and what what happened with them. But um, I don't know. They just can't get their footing down, and they just can't get. They can't get it going. I'm glad they're getting it going now. They've looked, they got good players and they've got energy. They they got Capella in the middle. They've got good role guys. You know, no one that really besides Trey, no one really dominates the ball. So um yeah, I think that could be pretty good. Look, the, the the East is wide open. The East is wide open what they can do. You know, like it's not, it's not like it's not like the West where it's really tough. I mean, they right now they're in 10th. They're tied. They're tied with Washington for tenth, and they're only about they're only like four they're only like five or six games out of six, and they could really make a run. Look, I mean, who in the East is playing really well? Like you know, past like the Miamis and I mean, Chicago's banged up, Cleveland's playing well, but like out of that seven to ten span of Charlotte, Boston, Toronto, Washington, are you betting your house on any of those teams? You know, so. They could definitely make some, you know, make some headway in the next 30 games or so. They just got to, they got to get some things together. They got to get lucky. They don't want to get hit with that COVID, you know, that COVID deal again, where guys are sitting out, but you know, they just got to stay healthy. Some big wins in there though, pro. You can't, you can't argue in that six game streak. They beat Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, they beat Minnesota who are better. Miami, um, Charlotte, they're all four pretty good wins. Yeah. And then Sacramento and I, I have Boston, in the same boat as, as Atlanta, I think they're the similar teams where they're, they're so erratic and up and down. But some, you know, four of those wins, even Boston, maybe a half you give them credit for, Sacramento, horrible. But 
these aren't just cupcake wins. That's a, you know. Oh you, no! You have to cheat. Yeah. So they're, they're they're getting it together. They're still the defense is still questionable. I mean, it took them 134 points to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they gave up 122. So they're still giving up buckets. Um, but yeah, I'm just interested to see if they're finally switched on. That you know, you guys should be potentially building on last season. You should be a top five team in the East. Yeah. And you still have that chance if you get rolling. But um, who was your team? My team was the Miami Heat. My team was the Miami Heat. I mean, they're they, they're putting together some wins now. Obviously, they lost to your team and they lost to the Hawks um, this week. But they're eight and two in their last ten. I mean, they're getting healthy. Bam's back. Uh, they're getting their players, you know, pretty healthy. Hero's playing well. Butler's doing his thing, and you know, I think that they're you know they they, they missed a bunch of games with guys with COVID and everything, and they. They're still doing their thing this week. This past week, they've been pretty good. Like I said, the, I think the only team they really lost to is Atlanta this week. And I think they're on all cylinders. They're tough, man. Like when they're playing their game and they're healthy, I mean, they're they're a fun team to watch. They they could beat you up. They could make threes. They could, you know, do some things. Duncan Robinson, in my opinion, is not having a great night. I mean, great season. I mean, I think they're really struggling. He's been struggling, but most of their players, you know, have been playing well. And now with, with Bam back, I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, they're starting to turn it on as clear as day. And they, they, I was more impressed with the way they treaded water with all their injuries. That's something that was really, really impressive to me. I mean, they didn't set the world on fire when lost, but they treaded water. They stayed around five, 500, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit over during those injuries of Butler out, of um, Bam out. And, and that, that's, that's, what you look for in regular seasons is that the sign of good teams is when their superstar goes out for six weeks or four weeks or we lose this guy, we lose that guy. Next man up mentality, we talk about it all the time, but actually having a squad and a belief that you can continue on and keep rolling. Um, we're not going to use this as an excuse. I think my, the Miami Heat are a prime example of they didn't let you know this a good start to the season then go, oh, we'll, as long as we're around 500 when they come back, we'll be fine. Um, they actually kept they kept punching and they had some other guys step up. We, we talked about numerous players that didn't play much that came into the lineup. So I like what they're doing. I like what they're building. They're always, they're just always so solid. I mean, they've only had, ever had probably two or three bad seasons in the last 15 to 20 where they've just been absolutely horrible. But other than that, they're always, they're always in the mix. So uh, we'll continue to watch that space. My week, team of the week, my shitty team. Yes. Pre-notables. I'm just going to state these two because they were in the contention. For me, it was OKC have lost seven straight and Washington have lost four straight. So they might be one of yours. We'll see. They've both been horrendous. But I'm going Utah Jazz mm -hmm. again, I think. Um, lost four straight, two and eight in their last 10. They've lost 10 of their last 12. They're still 30 and 20. They, 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 remember, they got off to a hot start to start the season. So, And they're still 30 and 20. They're still fourth. Um Rudy in and out doesn't help, obviously, but I still feel like they should be much better with Rudy in and out of that lineup. That, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, they had a run where they lost to Detroit and Indiana and a few other teams, and that's inexcusable. So I was intrigued, and I'm like, let, let me go and have a look at some stats of of some guys. What, like, what's the what's the notable difference now? Mitchell, Rudy, and Bogdanovich, their stats are roughly the same, if not better. Um, that was surprising to me. Rudy's, Rudy's having a better year again, um, year on year. Bogdanovich is roughly the same, and Mitchell's a little bit up. So I was like, okay, cross them out. Jordan Clarkson, pro, he's down three PPGs a game. 
So he's gone from 18 to 15 off the bench. That's huge for them because he provides, as we know, when they're struggling to score, struggling to flow offensively, last season he came in and was just a bucket off the bench. Mm -hmm. Conley's are roughly two points, two two PPGs down a game, which isn't a a massive one, but you factored that in with three from Clarkson. So his stats a little bit down. Joe Ingles is the one pro, um, and that's my guy, but... They, they, they need more from him. I think he, he'll be the first to tell you that he's struggled this season um, a little bit comparing to his high standards of how he played last season. He's down, he's from, he's gone from 12 points a game to seven, mm. but he's gone from 45% to 35% from three and 35 by league standards is still a good number, right? But for Joe Ingles is not, he's, he's one of the best shooters in the world. So, and I know, I know for, this is my, this isn't for me talking to, 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 to Joe or anything that he's told me. When I watch the games, I feel like he it's just a strange fit with Conley because when you've got Mitchell and Conley in their primary ball handlers, I think Joey's so good in the pick and roll with Rudy and Biggs at roll, makes the right reads and a feet set shooter. I think with Conley now in that squad playing big minutes, Joe's gone a third, fourth wheel where he's just a lot of the time stuck in that corner. He's just not really involved offensively as much as he has been in the past. Um, he's getting older. He's getting slower, if that's even possible. Sorry, Joey, but and that's been noted by some people. But I think Ingles is the one that needs to make them go. I think he's one of their best creators. I don't think Donovan Mitchell's a great creator for others. So that then goes down to I think Mitchell's a, a bucket. Bogdanovich is a bucket. They're not great creators for others. They're looking. They're more just we're gonna. We're, I'm gonna score on you at all costs. Ingles and Conley are the two main guys that'll create for others. So I, I think Joey's, they need to get him back to that 10, 11, 12 a night, six assists, you know, three for five from three, and they've got a chance. But they're, they're the guys I factored in. They need to pick it up because they're slowly slipping in the West and, and with with how, how things are going in the West, you don't want to be, you know, six, seven, eight, nine um, in the West because that's that's dangerous. You're flirting with trouble, and and we we've spoken about at length that the Utah Jazz have a very very good home court advantage. So you want to try to scrape into that top four. But if if they don't pick things up, that momentum, I think they're starting to second guess themselves. It's, it's looking looking shady, pro. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are look. I mean, they had a pretty tough week with their schedule. I mean, they had to play Phoenix twice out of that, and you know they, they played some decent teams in the week, but. Like if you want to be a championship contender and, and, and you're talking championship and you lose one player, look, losing your best defensive player and the best defensive player in the league, it's, you know, for a little bit of time, that, that's going to hurt you for sure. But there's no team that that's, should be in the top six in the league. You know, if you talk about what, like Phoenix, if you're talking Phoenix, Golden State. Utah, just say, even though they're fourth, right? And then you go Miami, Chicago, and say, no, no, let's say Miami, Brooklyn, and say Milwaukee, right? They miss one guy. Like, yeah, maybe you can't beat the cream in the crop, right? But like, you should be able to compete even without one guy. And they're just laying, it seems like they're laying down sometimes. And it's uh, not totally laying down or quitting, but Look, you got to, it's next man up, you know, and that's what, that's, you know, you got Whiteside there. You've got other guys that you brought in. Now, look, Whiteside's a mental midget. I get it. But you got to be able to perform and you got to be able to compete. Now, remember, any team that plays the Phoenix Suns twice in a week, and it's not like they're going to, should blow them out by any stretch, but you got to stay in contention. You got to stay up because, look, we all know it in playoffs. It's happened almost every playoffs. One of the better players are going to get banged up or hurt. And they got to miss either the whole series or a couple of games. 
and somebody else is going to have to step up. Milwaukee's done it a lot this year. Middleton, they've missed for a bunch of games. Holiday, they've missed. Giannis, they've missed. And, you know, it seems like they still step up. Now, they're not doing great either the fourth, but um, I, I expect a little bit more out of Utah because especially with so much on the line, look, if they're going to be a one, like, God forbid, they're one round and out. They're going to lose Mitchell. For, I'm almost positive they're going to lose Mitchell or they're going to lose the head coach or both. You know, so they there's a lot riding on this and because you don't want to fuck this team up. You don't want to, you know, I mean, look, it's it's still early. It's January. Get it. But, you know, I, I totally agree with you for this week. I, I'll go with a different team, though. I'm, I'm going to go with the Sacramento Kings. And the, <laughs> that could be every week. The though. That's a problem. Fucking, yeah. But like. You lose to like 50 to Boston. I mean, they've had, they had a hell of a week, you know, I mean, <laughs> they lost by, you know, well, let me get the score of this Boston game. It was, were they playing f- that five on four sheet versus Boston? Yeah, no, no, five on loves? one, actually. They're doing a new thing. <laughs> one twenty-eight to 75, you know, they lost by 17 to Atlanta who has, who's been playing. Okay. I guess, you know, they lose by six at Milwaukee. Not bad. They lost to the Detroit Pistons at home. Now, I, I know that was coming in for last week, but still, like, man, I mean, look, you got talent. They're not very good. You know, they're even their best players are not very good. They're okay. But at some point, you got to go, you know what, fellas? I don't care who our coach is. I don't care what, what city we're playing in. Like, we need some pride. We've got talent. We're an NBA team. We've got players that, that are making, you know, 20 plus million dollars a year. Like, you know, you got Fox, who's supposed to be the future of their franchise. You've got Buddy Heald, who's always worried about his role. Like, but guys that can supposedly perform. And if you show up and you lose in an NBA game by 50 points to the Celtics, who is one of the most erratic NBA teams this season, you know, I don't You need some pride. And I, I don't think they're playing with much these days. So, I'm going to go with the Sacramento Kings for sure. Mm. I think their fix is TNT that they just, you know, and a guy, Harrison Barnes there. We, we oh, love Harrison well, and hope, hopefully he can get out of there. But the, the, their, their fix is some TNT dynamite. They need to blow the fuck up out of that roster and just start again. They need They're to, at that point. They, like it's, yeah. They need to get relegated to the, to the, uh, to see the <laughs> LEV gold is what they fucking do. They need to go English, to L- English, divi- English first, first division yeah, soccer. Fuck that. Yeah, you man. know what, Ted Lasso, they don't need to get relegated. Fucking they could get relegated instead of Ted Lasso's team. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been long enough. This roster, it's just that the, there's not even a really a shining light that you're like, oh, there's there's a couple of pieces. We we get something around that. We can start to get some. You're looking at it and you're just like, this is a this is a this is a jigsaw puzzle. This is five jigsaw puzzles in one and you just got pieces that don't fit anywhere. It just doesn't fit. And, and I, I don't blame the coach. I, I look at management ownership that they got to, they got to take this one on the chin. They've got a busy, busy off season. I wonder if they make, they, surely they make some moves pre deadline and start to put their, um, you know, line their, their ducks in a row to get some, some pieces and build for the future because there's, there's no, I mean, there's no silver lining on that roster in my opinion. And, and it hurts me to say that with, with Harrison Barnes on it. I mean, he's the, the most professional guy they've got. I know why he's there. He's there to try and teach those young guys. This is how you be a professional. I've won, blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't look like that's even been listened to by some of the guys. So they've got a lot of work to do, pro. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about it in the fact of fake news, but I mean, they they just don't have any stability in their franchise, and it's it it, it's, it starts. It's a shame. Brand new arena, beautiful arena, one of the best arenas um, in the whole league for sure. 
And yeah, and it's it's and SAC gets a bad rap. I don't think it's that bad. I think there's way worse cities to live in. Like at least the weather's good. The city's not horrible. You got facilities. Like there's a lot of new estates popping up. It's it's what an hour and a half or drive from from San Francisco if you want to make that drive. Maybe a little bit more. So it's not it's not isolated. I'd rather be there than some other Midwest cities, to be honest with you, that are that are pouring snow every day. So I get. I think it has potential. It just they just they just can't get it together. They need to do this. They need to, first off, they need to put that owner in a Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs. Um, w- like they need to chain him up and they need to put a mask on him and don't let him get a, involved with the organization with wh- who they're picking. Listen to their GM. I don't know their GM at all. Maybe he knows what he's doing. I assume he does. He's in a position, but I don't know him. So I can't tell you. Let the GM do his job and have some stability. Then Invest as much money as you can. Take your trust funds away and put them into player development and say, you know what? We're blowing this thing up again for the 98th time. And we are going, I mean, we're going to, they might, they might as well call that place the Chernobyl Kings because they need, they need to eradicate it, their whole team and start over. And they say, you know what? Whoever we're going to draft, whoever we're going to pick up, we need to put so much effort into development and we're not you know whatever coach we pick is going to be our coach for the for the future you know we're going to go look we're going to give you three four years whatever it's going to be but you're going to be here for at least three years we're not going to fire our coach we're going to we're going to do backgrounds on the players and we're going to actually draft players that actually like basketball and actually want to be a pro and then we're going to develop the hell out of them and and the owner is not going to meddle and that's the one. That's the only way this team's ever going to be, uh, you know, any any good at all. Because nobody wants to go there. You're going to have to overpay free agents to go there. So the only way you're going to get good, just like we talk about most small market teams, they draft it or they develop it, and they get guys maybe that lost their way and they could develop them. Put money into four or five player development coaches, and fucking spend as much money as you can, and just let those people go to work, because. Well, that's the that's the key point, though, bro. Yeah. Let those people go to work. Yeah, that's that's the Hannibal Lecter suit for the owner. Yeah, that's that's the problem. I heard he's still hands on to this day. Yeah. Um, By the way, the you can get one, of, you can get one on Amazon for four ninety nine ninety nine. So, um, if you if you wait, you know, if, if it's on sale. So, if anybody in Sacramento wants to get one for the owner, put them in it, and just say, leave the <laughs> roster alone. Stop with this four on five nonsense. I know he hasn't mentioned that in a long time. Whatever. That's it. And then that's it. We're not spending money on free agents. We're not doing any of that because nobody that wants to come to SAC is any good. So we're going to draft them. We're going to pick up these tough guys, veterans that are just tough guys that our our young guys could be good with. And we're going to just develop the hell out of our young guys. And we want a coach that's actually going to hold those guys accountable and just say, you know what, we're going to grow with this. But you know, look what look what Oklahoma City's doing. Yeah, they got a thousand picks, and everybody makes fun of them. But that coach is doing a good job. They're young players. They're young, hungry players that want to get better. You could just tell, and they're not very good right now. And they're they're. But there's a method to their madness, yes. bro. Like you can clearly see when you watch their games. You, you can see who they are. They're a young team. They move the ball. They they get up and in defensively. They battle. 
you can see the progress in the roster. So as a fan of OKC Thunder, even though you suck win loss wise, you're like, hey, I can I can see I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Sacramento is in reverse. You're just like you're, you're you're backing up from the light constantly. What is this? I don't know what year this is for them not making the playoffs, but it's it's come on. I think man. it's like, like you, you thirteen gotta, years in a row, maybe. Yeah, and that's not all on this own. I think he's owned him for yeah. what, six or seven years, but it's just something's got to change, something's got to give, and obviously whatever you're doing right now is not working. So, you know, ruffle the ruffle the the coins out of the tin and just put them all out on the ground and start again. That, that's kind of where they're at. But I just want to finish on um, on the jazz again. You mentioned it. So there's some leaks coming from Donovan Mitchell. Um, you mentioned it towards the end of it, and I've got it noted sure. here. There's the, the, the quote was basically, it's from an anonymous source. I'm not a huge fan, but whenever these things are leaked from someone within, you know what time it is. Incessant, incessant buzz around the league is that there, that there are those in Mitchell's circle who believe he's too big of a star for Salt Lake City. So then, of course, the journalist got an anonymous Eastern Conference scout they quoted, um, they are a first round exit from Donovan being in New York City. Now, as soon as these leagues start, I, I raise my eyes. I, uh, hey, what's going on here? Because you just know that if, if things go bad, which they're not looking good right now in Utah, and we're not hitting panic stations yet, but it's, it's, getting, it's getting you know a month away from those panic stations. They start finding a rhythm. I think he's going to leave. I really do. I, th- I think that if they don't, if they don't do... Maybe even you could potentially leave with a second round exit. You know, I, I really do because their, their rosters—they're they're kind of—they're in that position where, but well, how many more moves can you make? Um, We—I think that we uncovered with with the help of others that leaked it that the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. I, rec- I think there's tension there. Um, I think the comments that Gobert made a couple of weeks ago that were pretty pointed towards Mitchell, even though I didn't mention him. Um, I think they were not taken lightly by Mitchell and his camp. Um, I think it's. I think he's gone. In my opinion, I think he's gone. I think it's conference finals were gone for him, um, and I think he's trying to, you know, starting to line up his, you know, line himself up to get out of there. Pro. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but it's just a shame because you love to see these stars in small cities, and I don't buy into that whole. He's he's too big of a star for that city. Like get the fuck out of here. Like if he's a star, he's a star. Look what Giannis has done in in, in Milwaukee. So that's his people saying it. That's not Donovan saying it. But I, I think I think the writing is on the wall. They're starting to pivot their way out of there. It's just a matter of time, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's going to fall into that whole superstar trap of. You know, if you don't win it, you got to go to a bigger market or you got to go somewhere where they're trying to make moves. Um, And I think that New York, I mean, New York's trying to pivot to try to get anything, you know, anything they can superstar wise to or anything close to it to get on their roster. Um, Plus, they hired one of his, you know, closest coaches to him, Johnny Bryant, who was like the, he was that um, high level assistant with Utah. They hired him. Um, it's like the associate head coach with the Knicks just to, to recruit Donovan and small world pro. That was my, he was, uh, a, a oh, Utah, right? Oh no, sorry. He was a, he was a scholarship player with us. He came yeah. on as a, not a walk on. He came on as a red shirt, um, transfer mm-hmm. my sophomore year. So I was around him and then, um, he, he ended up staying on for two, I think two more years at the University of Utah. So yeah, full circle, man, but continue on. <laughs> yeah. So they hired Johnny to try to get him. You know how that goes. I mean, that, that almost never works, but um, I could see him getting a little bit antsy. You know, there's not a lot of Damian Lillard's out there. There's not a lot of Giannis, Giannis's out there that are going to stay. Now, Giannis may not have stayed if, you know, they, didn't, they, they weren't really making huge moves to make it to win a championship. 
you know, obviously Damien Willard's had to deal with a lot of stuff in Portland. They've only really competed one year since he's been there. Um, but there aren't a lot of those and you fall into, Hey, bigger city, this and that. And you start getting, I know for a fact that he got into it with their medical team, um, to playoff, maybe last playoff, but with that, with that injury, remember that injury that they had in the playoffs with it last year. And they, they, they really had a big blow up with that. And that, that's a big problem, but I think it would be an issue there. I just don't think they're good enough yet. I didn't think they were that good last year and they, you know, beginning of the year and they made this huge run. Um, I just don't think they're good enough to really get into the conference finals. And I, myself, I don't think you should leave. I think they've got a lot going for them. You know, you read into the whole Rudy thing and maybe that is a big issue. Maybe it's not, I'm not sure, but I mean, it didn't sound great with those comments that, that Rudy made, but yeah, they're right there. Like, but then you're going to go to the Knicks. Well, what do the Knicks have? Like, what's the most valuable thing on the Knicks? Their coach? You know, Randall. The star. Star of New York City, I guess. Yeah. Like, know, but, like, you go, soul, like, but you go there and, first of all, they're going to have to be as good as Utah. That's for sure. Yeah. And they're going to have to give up a lot to get them on a sign and trade. They're probably going to have to give up. You know, they probably won't do Randall, but they'll, I mean, they'll do some of their other pieces, but. You know, then then you got to think, Bogues. Like everyone thinks he's going to New York, but like then you got to think: is there a trade that New York, like that that the Knicks would want to make? You know, like uh, is there a trade that like the Knicks, the Knicks, or the Utah wants from the Knicks? You know, to make a trade work. So I don't know. I mean, you got RJ. I don't think it's necessarily going to be strictly New York. I, yeah. I, I just feel like Donovan's. You know, one foot's. Stepping over that line out the door, he's not two feet out yet. But I think I think it's a matter of time. I think this is going to be another superstar that leaves a small market team in the next year or two. That's just my opinion. Yeah. On it. I just don't see it. Yeah. I just don't see it. Yeah, and yeah. players don't really see the reality of things. Like sometimes you just there's the same thing with Utah with like Chicago. Like when they made the finals two years in a row, like you just bump into a team that you can't beat. Now that's a championship, but like in the West right now, like. You've got Golden State who's researched, right? And you've got Phoenix that's really good. And those are Memphis. two. Yeah, you got Memphis now that's knocking on your door. You even got Dallas, who I think Dallas could be a problem in the playoffs. Like you've got legitimate teams. You get at least two legitimate teams that it's going to be really hard for you to beat. And Memphis is going to come right at you. You know what Memphis reminds me of? Memphis reminds me a little bit of Oklahoma City in like 2010 when they almost beat the Lakers. They're young, hungry. They don't give a fuck who you are, and they're gonna try to not, you know, beat your fucking brains in. And they're tough. Yeah, they're too young and they're too young and dumb for pressure at this point. Yeah. They just play. Yeah, and that, that, that's why I love, I love watching them play because they they don't they don't really know the stakes yet. They're not that team yet, so they just go out there and they're just like, we're just going to play and kick your ass. They've been they've been really fun to watch, but the Donovan thing will be interesting. I hope he stays for the record. I love seeing small market stars stay, but with the way the league is, as soon as there's a someone in the circle leaking this shit, it's only a matter of time before it goes on record from an agent to a, to a reporter, X, Y, Z, and then... You know, you just put Utah in a, in a bad position. They do have an aging roster for the most part. I mean, Rudy and a few other guys, but you look at Joey, you look at Bogdanovich, you look at Conley. I think that window, as we've said, that this is it's, it, their windows right now. Um, 
even with Donovan. So I don't see them rebuilding, even if Donovan, let's say, mm-hmm. it's like that they're, they're going to go and have to try to rebuild again to an extent. They'll be competitive, but they'll have to rebuild again. So they're in a tough spot. We'll watch that. Um, All-star voting pro. Quote, pro, I don't care about the All-Star game, end quote, so you don't have to mention that. I've mentioned that for you. Yeah. We both, I appreciate it. Yeah, we both know how we both know how you feel, and, and I feel about the All-Star game. I don't watch it neither, but let's get into the um, the picks. We know we know it's a voting system. We know blah, 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 but how, do you, how spot on do you think they were? I think there's one glaring one in the West, in my opinion. So Jokic, LeBron, Wiggins, Curry, Morant. I mean, which one for you would be glaring out of that group, pro? <laughs> I think Wiggins <laughs> yeah. might might sort of throw throw you know throw a little bit of uh a little bit of worry on that. But look, that's the system that you have. I mean, that's the thing. First, like I, I won't have to say it. I'm not an all-star fan guy. And I'm even a less of an all-star voting type of guy. But but you have all these things, Bogues, that I noticed that I never used to notice uh back then. Like you get these days where there's like you get double the votes. What? So like, yeah, like yeah, I don't even know you that. didn't notice that. Like no. I was watching games. They go, if you vote today, it's double the votes. <laughs> and you know, look, you could, you know, how this stuff can go. Like you know, but this was player votes, wasn't it? For these now, don't the players have some? The players have some voting power now, I believe, for this, this, these all star games. I believe. I think they do, but it's fans as well, fans right? As well. Like the fan fans- thing. I'm not a fan of the fan thing because. Yeah, I want fans to be involved, but like, if you're popular in China, you're getting in number one. Number two, you know, you, you can have people vote, overvote. I get why the NBA does it because it keeps people talking NBA and, and gets people mm-hmm. logging on and voting. But someone, someone could vote a thousand times a day. I just, I'm just not a fan of it. But I'm the same. I think Wiggins is the glaring one. I think he's a all star. I think bench, uh, no problem. But I think the biggest snub for me was Booker. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. they've got to have a starter in the, in the game, in my opinion. Like, they're, they're rolling. They're one of the best teams in the league. Um, he's continuing to get better. He's had a f- couple of 40 balls. You know, I think he's probably the only one I would change in the West. But otherwise, I'm not too, not too stressed about the West. I think it's pretty spot on. Otherwise, um, Luca's the other one maybe that you can fit in there. People have said Luca versus Morant. But I think Luca's injury and time missed has hurt him for that. Um, other than that, I mean, pretty pretty close. The East, I think, was as close as you can get, in my opinion. Kevin Durant, DeMar DeRozan, Giannis, Embiid, and Trey Young. Um, I mean, anyone else? Anyone you change out of there, bro? Nah, the East, you know, Bogues, like, who in the East is, like, glaring that should be starting that didn't get picked? Like, I mean, okay, if, so Butler you got- was, if Butler was healthy the whole year with their record, yeah. he, he might be in the mix. Um, yeah. He's really the only one I can I can think of in in the East. Like it's, you know, I mean Washington's fallen off a cliff, so you don't pretty you probably don't put Bill in there. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at with all that. I, I don't. There's not a, the East is going to be a hard bench to pick in my opinion. I mean Charlotte maybe you have um, is the Mellow in the mix? That they're, they're up there. Kyrie, Kyrie and, and, and James, well, Kyrie won't make it, but James Harden probably bench, I assume. Cleveland, do they get an all-star pro? I mean, to me, I would probably put Jared Allen in there if I was going to put anybody, but I mean, it might be tough. You know, Well, they're third right now. Back, Surely they get an all-star, but it's, they're, 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 they're so. really a team. They're, they're team orientated statistically, like it's so well spread out, so it's hard to have a Garland's been playing really well for them. Yeah, you know, Garland's been playing really well. He's averaging nineteen, 
you know, 19 and eight this season, but I mean, Jared Allen or Garland and you know how big guys get fucked anyway. So I would say at least, at least, um, get Garland in there, but yeah, it's folks. It's, uh, it's interesting. You know, they get some interesting selections and, you know, decisions to make. Yeah. Um, but even go, going back to the West, like Wiggins, right. And I'm not, Hey, look, Wiggins made it good for him. You know, he's been through a lot of shit. I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's, he's overcome a lot with his slow start in his career and didn't really do a lot and underachieved. And now he gets to this team and, you know, where everybody counts him out and he does well. So, you know, great for him, but here's my thing with him here. Here are my picks of guys that I picked ahead of him. Just, um, just sort of writing down some notes ahead of Wiggins Wiggins. and no, in no order at all, but tell me who you would take out of this list to get Wiggins on there. LeBron, Luka, Jokic, Steph, Lillard. Now Lillard's out for the year, so I get that. Booker, Anthony Davis, Morant, Mitchell, Gorbert, Aiton, Shai uh, Alexander from OKC, even Anthony Edwards, who's had a hell of a year so far, and Chris Paul. And I'm not even talking like Paul George or, you know, I mean, Clay, you can't put in there, but like Paul George, Towns. I haven't even picked those guys. That I, I don't think those guys are, you know, I just didn't put them on the list yet. But you know, yeah. It's but tough. then again, look, look. as a starter, yeah. I don't, I don't agree with it. As a starter, I think he deserves to be in the in the twelve. Um, they're one of the best teams in the league. He's probably their sec- second best player. Um, yeah, Draymond's been out, so yeah, you probably have him as your second best player up to date with the amount of games he's played. It seems like he never gets hurt, plays a lot. So yeah, bench. But yeah, the, all those names you could argue. Um, all the ones that have played a numerous, a big amount of games for sure, and that's that's the beauty of of the horse game voting. It always throws one like this, and I, I honestly think that the Warriors didn't think he was going to get a starting spot because they they went through this campaign of getting Clay and all that to, to to really promote Wiggins, which is what you do for your teammates. How you vote him in, like thinking like if he scrapes in, it'd be fantastic. And I think I think that's been a surprise even for probably his teammates. But I think. Um, the journey that he's taken and, and everything he's gone about, you congratulate him. It's been it's been interesting to watch. He's been up and down throughout his career. But he seems like the guys all there love him. Um, he's he's a very professional from what I hear. Comes to work every day. The guys enjoy being around him. So congratulations to him. Uh, but um, that's the beauty of of what we're dealing with in the All Star voting system every year. There's no there's no right or wrong way in my opinion. Yeah, I mean you're not going to fix you're it. Always gonna get, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you're we're, always going to get someone to get screwed. And then you have bias. If you just do coaches, then coaches hate certain guys. And then if you do players, players, you know, it just, there's always going to be that human element to it. And, and that's how you go. By the way, the Rising Stars game pro, have you read anything about this? Not one thing. Because I'm I'm heavily confused with what is going on. So the rule change again, pro, shocker. They've gone um, uh, 28 players, 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, and four G League Ignite players are divided into four teams, Pro. The teams will be coached by members of the NBA's 75th anniversary team, along with assistant coaches from the coaching staff selected to coach this year's All-Star game. Um, G League Unite, obviously, we've mentioned already. There will be three games played, two semifinals. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, two semifinals with the winners then playing in a championship game. Um, using the NBA's 75th anniversary theme, the semifinals will be played to a target score of 50. So it's not even a regular game. It goes to 50. And the championship game will go to 25. Um, 
just <laughs> my question is why the, the they will get this one bro there will also <laughs> this one's hilarious i saw this and i was like what there'll also be a shooting competition in between the semi-finals and finals with with each shooting location being tied to an iconic shot made during the nba playoffs There'll be four teams. There'll be four teams of two competing in the time trial to make the shots as fast as possible. What the hell is going on? Like this is just overkill central. It's a fucking rising stars game. Like it's rookies versus sophomores. No one's coming really to see that. It's just you're watching it because it's part of the event. If you've paid for a ticket, you're seeing the why pro. What is going on? Folks, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> everything's a fucking show. Like everything's. You got to be Barnum and Bailey on everything. Like everything's got to be the greatest show on earth. And we got to read an encyclopedia to figure out the rule. Like four teams, semifinals, yeah. first to 50 this game. Like if you're a fair weather fan, like you're a wife of a guy that loves basketball and you show up one day and they're playing to 50 and the next day, like why are they playing at 25 today? <laughs> that would be my first question. If I, what's going on? What is this shit? Like it's too much. You know, Bogues, like, yeah, when you try to outdo yourself, and maybe because they want to, you know, the charge a fortune for that Saturday night ticket, and they just want to put more stuff on it. I don't know. I don't care. I don't watch it. So yeah, I mean, have at it. But it's just, yeah, it's just too much. Like it used to be, you know, the rookie sophomore. Just like that's it. Like let's do it. Then it was like, then they like split it up. United States versus international. Then they. They're doing this and they're doing that. But you know what? They're trying to promote their Ignite program and all that stuff too. But, you know, what happened was they had that rule. I forgot the rule they called. They called it um, the Mueller rule or whatever they have, the TBT that they put in the All-Star game. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. The one about, you know, that it depends on like what the score is. And you got to play to a certain score, you know, to win the game. Like that stuff's pretty cool. But then you're just going over yeah, small tweaks, just like, small tweaks. But shit, yeah. who wants to go? This is a, a mini tournament for the the Rising Stars game. It's like I'm sure the players are thrilled to be maybe playing in you know two or three games. <laughs> like yeah, fantastic, great. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think I think it's overkill. Yeah. I don't I don't want to be reading a rule book when I'm going to watch a basketball game when I know the rules already. That's pretty much what it comes down to for me. And I'm I, I'm akin to I'm aware of basketball rules and what's going on it's look it's not hard to pick up but at the same time i just want to go and enjoy if i'm going to enjoy it i want to go and enjoy it so i thought that was interesting this maybe a bit of panic there from the nba trying to clutch at straws to find new exciting things for these young kids out there pro you know get them involved in the nba so okay trades hard and pivoting to philly pro that's a rumor um he has a great relationship with, with Daryl Morey and, and the owner of the 76ers, um, believe, yeah. potentially some business interests together already. I'm not too sure about that, but there's some rumors around that. That has now inflicted tampering allegations um, yeah. because of Harden's relationship. Teams are saying that's bullshit. It's not fair. It's clear as day what's going on. Harden has been on record saying he will be looking at other suitors in the offseason. He also mentioned... I mean, this is in passing, but some frustrations around Brooklyn and Kyrie not playing and not being the best roster that he signed up for, blah, 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 blah. That could just be an excuse to get out of there. But there is some some rumors to that allegation. And I think if they if Philly pulled that off with, you know, essentially just losing a, a Simmons and a, and a Tobias Harris, I think they move up very, very quickly to, 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 to a contender in the East. Um, they still kind of are fringe contender, but not not with the current roster. I think they need that one more piece that they're missing, you know, because Ben isn't playing and they haven't moved him yet, but they get a hard and you match him with Embiid. 
that is that is going to be very very tough. But do you think there's some seriousness to this? Do you think it's legit? Do you think um, do you think Harden stays in Brooklyn? That who the fuck knows about that question? That question nobody fucking knows. Like right, like nobody knows. I think everybody wants to have their two cents of what they think uh, he's going to do. I know that Daryl Morey has a a big time love affair for James Harden, and it will do anything. And I mean anything possible, you know, tweet out to more countries who the fuck knows, like, you know, apologize to China. Like he'll do anything possible to keep to keep to get James Harden. Um, I think there is some traction there if he is frustrated, you know, if Harden is frustrated with what's going on with Kyrie. If you read into all all the other stuff that you know, that, that they've been saying about, um, you know, about Kyrie playing and the roster and things. I think that there, there is an issue there and he could leave. The problem here is Philly has very little bargaining power with this because, you know, they're way over the cap. They can't sign him in free agency, even if he opted out. So it, it'll be sign and trade, but there are other teams that, are, that, that would do it. There are other teams that would sign and trade that could probably give them a little bit of a better package. Um, so they don't have to trade in the Philly. And it's all what Brooklyn wants to do. If I'm Brooklyn, to be honest, I'm just going to say, you know what? Let's try to win a championship. Because even without Kyrie, they could still win a championship. It is not out of the realm of possibility with you know, a healthy Harden, healthy Durant, and those, those other guys. You know, I think they, they have a legitimate chance to still win a championship. Plus, you know, the mask mandates or the virus mandates, whatever you want to call it, the vaccination stuff, that could change by next year. So what if they win a championship and then the mask mandate stuff over the virus stuff, the the vaccination things change and they let the kid play? Mm-hmm. So what happens there, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's I just yeah. I think it's been a grind for everyone. I think everyone's mentally on the edge, not just Harden. So he might be looking out, but definitely an interesting one. And you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I think that would be great to see for Philly's point of view because it would it would put them in contention. The other one, there were some rumors that the the Hawks rejected a Simmons and Harris for Collins, Bogdanovich, and three first rounders trade. Any truth to that, pro? Because I mean, the three first rounders is probably what what what, what nixed it, but that's a that's not a horrible deal for the Atlanta Hawks if you if you maybe get those first rounders to maybe one and maybe a second rounder. But do you think there's some truth to that one? Uh, I don't think there was truth to it. I think that I think that Philly is blowing smoke with everybody. I think that that they they're not really serious about any trade talks. I don't think that they I think they want to hold this guy for I think they want Lillard or they want Harden or that's it. So that's all they're doing and they're not really entertaining. I don't think they would entertain an offer for for Collins, Bogdanovich and three first rounders. I don't like that's not going to that that moves the needle a little bit for them, but I don't think it moves it enough. Like Daryl Morey, the one thing about Daryl, you could say whatever you want about him, but Daryl Morey wants to like he goes after superstars. I respect him for that. Um, he goes after superstars. If it's not, you know, Paul Gasol in his prime, or if it wasn't, you know, James Harden in a trade, or if it wasn't Carmelo Anthony's prime, like that guy goes after guys and he goes after superstars. And remember, he he was in that trade. And you know, originally he was going to be in that um uh 
that Chris Paul trade to get like a soul and some other stuff. But like, I don't think that he's going to, I don't, I think he's really holding hostage this whole Simmons thing to get a big timer. I don't think he's going to want like Collins is a good player, borderline all-star, but Donovich is a nice little role player, but he wants the superstar to put with Embiid because he knows if he doesn't get one, he probably won't win a championship. And that's it. It's, it's and Embiid over. might leave. And, you know? and Embiid might leave. That was the ne- my next statement. So mm. I think Daryl is blowing smoke up by everybody's ass. And I think that he's just, he's holding out for Lillard being disgruntled and wanting to leave and forcing a sign and trade there. And I think he's trying to force a sign and trade with, you know, Harden to try to get him. The question, though, that comes up, folks, that no one really talks about, it's not that easy just to do a sign and trade. And plus, those teams have other suitors for those guys. And I'm sorry, like, I'm not going to unload, like, great players to get Ben Simmons in return because you don't know what you're going to get with this kid. You don't. If I'm Sacramento, you could have it. I'll sign my arena over to you. I could, I'll sign eight of my tech companies over to you. Go. What's, uh, give me Ben Simmons because what I have ain't working. But if you're Portland when you're, or you're Brooklyn, you know, like, I don't know. Do you, do you trade your, your franchise player, you yeah. know, to, to get that? I, I just because I don't trust him. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Talented kid. I just don't trust him. But if I'm a team with nothing to lose, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to trade for him. If I'm Orlando, yes, um, whatever you want. I'll give you half of the Disney castle and whatever you want. I'll, I'll trade that. You know, yeah. if I'm, you know, if I'm a team like that and I'm desperate, if I'm Detroit, if I'm teams like that, I'm, I'm, I'm going for it, but I'll give you Isaiah Thomas's Jersey and my championship trophies. Just fucking go. I'll, I'll take whatever I'll take Simmons. But if I'm those two teams though, but Daryl's holding out, he's holding out for a great player. So I don't, I don't believe it. It sounds good, the Atlanta deal, but I don't believe it. I think he's just, I, no I think he's wasting value. everybody's time. Yeah, I, yeah I think he's wasting everybody's time until he deals with one of those two teams. Mm-hmm. Any other trades you think will happen? Because we are, what, what are we, 10, 11 days? It is February 10th is the deadline for all those people wondering. Um, I think Indiana makes a deal. I think, you know, and, and, and people were staying with Rick's comments about, not with me, but with those two guys that, he covered those guys. I, I think he, I think like if they're going to trade Sabonis, that maybe Dorian Finney Smith and, you know, Jalen Brunson and something else, you know, to make the deal work, you know, you might see something like that. I think, I think Indiana makes a deal. I don't know what Indiana is going to do, but I think they make a deal. To me, to be honest with you, Bobs, I'd probably keep all those guys and don't make a deal because those guys weren't healthy all year and they barely all those guys played together. Like, Brogdon, you know, Levert, Brogdon, um, Sabonis, like those guys did not play together. And what else are you going to do? Like, if you got to blow the whole thing up. And I don't want Rick to, I, I wouldn't have Rick coach a young, all rookie team. I'd want him to get guys like Sabonis. That's the, those are the guys he coaches the best. But who knows if those guys are demanding trades and wants out of there because they're tired of losing? I don't know. I have no idea. But I think Indiana is going to be active. I think Sacramento is going to be very active. Um, I think you're going to see something out of there. You might see McCollum get traded, you know, maybe something big with with Portland. Um, I think the Spurs are a dark these, horse to make a deal. I think they're, they're yeah. really quiet. Um, they popped up in something a couple of weeks ago, which was, I think the Simmons talks a while ago, but I, I think they're just being so quiet. They're not that good. 
they have some young pieces, but they, they, they have some other pieces that could be used on other teams, Pirtle, a few other guys. So I think they'll, they might be a sneaky for, for, for making a deal that no one saw coming. Um, that's what I'll point to. But yeah, who knows? It's, it's just so hard to, there, there's so much, you know, smoke screens thrown out like this, you know, like we spoke about with this alleged offer from, from, uh, for Philly in Atlanta. It's just, you don't know what's a smoke screen from an agent, from a scout, from a team, from a GM, from a coach. You just don't know. So you got to kind of put your, you know, pull apart the weeds and try to make your own decision. But I think San Antonio will be one. So we'll see how how that all goes. Injuries pro, there's been there's been some some bad ones. I want the worst hit the Chicago Bulls within two weeks, pro. Lonzo needs surgery on his left knee out six to eight weeks. Caruso needs surgery on his right wrist out six to eight weeks. Derek Jones Jr. fracture on his right index out six to eight weeks. So they've really they're really valuable players to them. I mean, Lonzo starting point guard, Caruso probably their their best backup. Derek Jones Jr. brought a lot of athleticism for them, and it's actually shooting the three ball at a decent clip for him for an athletic guy. Those three guys really hurt their balance. Um, now you got to you got to play your starters a little bit higher minutes, fatigue them a little bit, and, and they were rolling until then. Now they're they're kind of they're going to see some struggles um, for for a couple of weeks with just figuring out rotations and and and. and fatigue and all that kind of stuff but they've, they've been hard hit the other one is your guys that you love you know the Dallas Mavericks I think that Tim Hardaway Jr. obviously is I think that's a huge out for them I, I feel like when I've watched Dallas games when they've struggled he's been a guy that that, that, that you know he's going to try to score and try to try to you know get a bucket no matter what um, and I think he's been a shining light at times when they've been stagnant when, when Luke is not firing whatever where he's just catches goes you know, gets to the rim, makes that open three or even that contested three. Very underrated loss for them. Um, some people that know basketball will say, well, it's not, but most people look at it like, oh, Tim Hardaway Jr., they've still got Luca, they've still got Chris Dapps, but I think that's a very, very big out. And um, I'm, I'm interested, to, I'll be interested to see whether they make some sort of a change. Now, he has a, what is it, a, a fractured his left foot, I think he, metatarsals, uh, and you just don't know with those injuries. It can, it'll most likely be season. But you just don't know. It could be three to four months. It could be six months. It could be longer. Um, but I think he's a huge out pro. I think that's a tremendous, tremendous loss for Dallas. At some point, now he hasn't played great this year yet. Last year, he was phenomenal for them. In some ways, he's their second best player because he could really light up quickly and he could score. Like Brunson has done very well with that this year. He's been their, you know, the second probably most reliable scorer, you know, for for the for them. Um, well, Porzingis' injury stuff. Now he's played a lot, a lot better. Uh, you know, Chris Stapps has for them this year, but Hardaway really gives them. Hardaway really gives them like that guy that could light up and score and, and take a little bit of pressure off of Luca. And that's what they need. They don't really have that in their roster yet. They got shot makers and good role players, but they don't really have great scoring. And, you know, he gives them a lot of that. That's going to be a huge loss. See, I thought that they can get out of a round and they could be a dark horse to make the conference final because with Luca and those guys play hard, Jason Kidd's done a great job with them defensively this year. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league, you know, in the last couple of months. And I think they can make a big run now without them. Now replacing his ability, you know, Hardaway's ability to score, they don't really have that guy that could really step up to really, you know, score points. You know, Porzingis scores and Brunson scores and Luca obviously scores, but 
the rest of the guys are uh, uh, guys who can make shots or roll hard to the rim. I think that's going to be a, re- a a big time loss for for the Dallas, and hopefully, like they got one of the best medical staffs in the league, so I think they could probably try to get them back. Um, you know, if anybody can, they can, and if, if he can be healthy come playoff time and, and sort of moving pretty well, but who knows with that foot? No one it's knows. Tough with feet, but man. If they, even if he's back, he's yeah. going to be ginger, and you know, you don't want it to then turn into another injury or an Achilles or an ankle, you know, whatever. So um, I, yeah. I think it'll, it'll be, it'll be a while. Hopefully it does come back, but yeah, massive out. Oh, just two quick shout outs, pro Kevin love resurgence. It's been great to see. Um, he's at, he's at 14.2 points and 7.2 rebounds, two and a, 2.1 assists a game off the bench for Cleveland for a team that's rolling. He's boarding to his role. Um, I think he's been really good for him. You know, he's had his troubles mentally, um, after after the blow up of Cleveland, it's been well documented. We spoke about it. One of them is you know th- th- threw a ball into someone, you know all that kind of stuff, going crazy. But he's really come back balanced. I think he provides very steady head off their bench, veteran wise, shooting the piss out of the three ball. So I give a shout out to him, and I give a shout out to someone that you would like to. You know, probably in your wheelhouse, Stanley Johnson, grind the grind uh, credit. <laughs> you know, he, he yeah. three ten days pro to now a two year deal with the Lakers. So you love to see guys like that, one foot in, one foot out, out of the league for a bit. You know, in and out three ten days in a row. That's that's thirty nervous days as an NBA rostered player. Congratulations yeah. to Stanley Johnson for his two year deal. I mean, probably one of their probably one of their hardest playing guys in my opinion on that roster. Yeah, Bogues, the best thing I think that could happen for half the, the players to get drafted in this league is to, to fail. Is to fail, to get cut, to get traded. Like now you really know for the first time in your career that your shit, your, your, you know, your shit actually does stink once in a while. And it's not going to be a guarantee. And I think Stanley came in with that attitude. Like he was just going to be good. You know, just because he was an All-American, you know, one of the best high school players in the country, one of the best young college players in the country, but he never learned skill, never learned work ethic. You know, friends of mine that would coach him in, in Detroit and other places said that, like, you know, typical go see his trainer, hat on backwards, doing an hour, of like literally an hour of ball handling before they get into anything, not doing anything with his shooting, not doing anything with, you know, spots on the floor that he would work with and. I think that he figured it out when he got out of the league and nobody really wanted him, you know, he, and I think now you come back in that mentality, like, okay, it's not, the door's not open for me anymore in the sense that like, they're not just going to cater to me. Now I'm going to have to work and I have to change my mentality of getting it done, you know? And, and I think that that's what he did and it, it really helped him. I mean, a, the COVID thing helped him because there's a million players getting called up. But I think it really helped him getting that second chance where like he was one foot out of the league. And I think that when you're when when you have that type of pressure on you, where you're in and you're out, not most players, I'd say 90 percent of players in his in his predicament would fail. Trust me, I've dealt with it. I've, I've studied it and they just can't deal with it because like everything's been catered to them because of their talent level getting up to this point. And hey, hats off to the fucking guy, you know, getting it to where he's working hard. And now he understands what it takes, you know, to stay in this league. And and I'm glad I'm, I'm happy for the guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Lakers need somebody shit, you know, they're about to sign Clipper Daryl next week. So I'm glad that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know Clipper Darrell, the guy. That, I know who he is. That. Yeah, for those not familiar, yeah. there's a guy that dresses in a all Clippers 
I think it's an actual suit, tailor made suit. Yeah. Red and blue. And he stands, he sits he sits behind the basket at the visitor's end and he just chants clipper stuff all game. A really it's good about guy. Three hundred pounds. Yeah, everyone everyone knows him. He's very happy, go lucky, jovial, singing, yelling clipper stuff. Um, I think he, yeah, he's he's great for the game. So he's he's clutch uh, clutch yeah, I'm just reading the press conference right now. He's just clip at Clipper Daryl just tweeted out. He just signed with Clutch, so expect him to get a mid-level exception deal next week. <laughs> or oh, Max, maybe. Max, maybe. Speaking Max, of fans, bro, a couple more fan ejections. And guess, oh, guess, nice. Yeah, guess who was right again with a slippery slope? It was us at Rogue Bogues. But first that was one, you, yeah. Yeah, first one is um, Mello, Mello ejected some Philly fans, two fans. Um, he claims they kept calling him boy. So this is oh, an boy. interesting one, pro, because I didn't know – I'm going to play a bit ignorant here. I didn't know the connotations of the word boy um, in in the US. In the US, obviously, I grew up in Australia, so you'd think boy, you know, hey, my boy, what's up, man? Like, you know what I mean? I, I had no idea about yeah. the historical significance. Uh, for those not familiar, it can be, it can be, you know, factored to slavery, I guess, because um, you know a lot of yeah. uh, slaves called African Americans boy, you know, back back in the day. I had no mm -hmm. idea, right? I actually had Richard Jefferson tell me one day because I'll be like, "Hey, what's up, my boy?" Like just to, to guys, and Richard came and said, "Hey, man, like just so you know, I know you you would have no idea, but you know, it's not a good word um, for for a white dude to be saying uh, African American." I was like, "Well, shit!" Like I had no idea, right? I uh, didn't know the historical significance of it, but I guess that's why Mallow. For those wondering that were like, boy, what's a big deal? But then you need to figure out whether that was what the what those guys were using it for or whether that's in their everyday language and that's a, that's a shit show trying to figure out, pro. But that was one of them. The other one was Julius Randall Pro ejected a fan for heckling him about his contract and his plus minus during the game. Are you shitting me? That's what's reported. The fan has given comment and said, so I was railing him about you know, a hundred, hundred odd million, and this is what this is what I have to pay to watch. Like you're not even hustling, you're not even running back on defense. And then he was like, "Dude, you're you're minus thirty four. What are you doing?" Apparently, this is reported. He said that um, he mean mugged him for a long, long time, tried to intimidate him, and then by the second or third quarter, pointed to some Nick security that went to the arena security and and kicked the guy out. Pro. Folks, I don't know, man. I mean. You know, it's funny, like everybody tweets out how tough they are. They mean mug to the camera when they make a shot. Yet somebody mentions about their fucking assist to turnover ratio and they turn they turn to fucking putty. I mean, I don't understand. Like everybody expect like most of the players in the league brag about how tough they are and they can't take What's interesting, Pro, is I know, I know say, Julius well because I was with him. He's he's actually a great a great dude. Yeah, he's very quiet, yeah. um, soft spoken. Um, I think it's getting to him, Pro. I think I think the uh, I don't think this is normal for him. I think he, this big contract expectation, fantastic year last year. Um, the pressure of it now, I think he's getting to him, and he's acting he's acting different and, and doing some silly things like you know you're in a slump you know and, and I'll get to his numbers in a second I want to looked up his numbers specifically because I was wondering like how, how bad of a season is he having because we hear how bad it is Knicks fans killing mm -hmm. him he's, he's got into it with Knicks fans in New York he's told them to stop cheering him now when he made a big bucket one game and then he's, he's saying boomy now all that kind of stuff um, I think it's getting to him, Pro. I really do and, and that, that is a thing you know living up to the expectations of your contract so I went and looked at his numbers um, is it as bad as it's been made out to be, Pro? Last season, he was 24, 10, and 6 a night. 
fantastic year, made the all-star team. This season, I looked at it, 18.5, 9.9, and 5.0. That's not horrible by any means. Like, that's not a horrible year. So the, the only difference is his three ball has deserted him this year compared to last year. Not historically a good three-point shooter, but last season shot it at 41%. He's down to 30%. Field goal roughly, you know, field goals 45 last season, 41 this season. So that's my question. Are the fans in his head, the pressure, is it as bad as as has been made out to be? He's arguably, okay, he's, he's, he's five odd points, five and a half odd points less a game. But I mean, most 18.5, basically 18 and 10 with five assists a night, they're not horrible numbers. Um, you do need more from your max guy, but but if that was your max guy, most people would take that. That's not horrible. So is he's still above his career average. What's, what's going on, bro? What are your thoughts? I, I feel like it's getting to him a little bit. I think he's overthinking it. He's paying attention to things that he probably shouldn't pay attention to, and we've all done it. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. No, no excuses here. I've, I've definitely done it. I've definitely gone back at fans and probably said things to people that I shouldn't even be paying attention to, but that's that's when you're in the moment, it's different. Do you think it's that? Do you think it's a pressure of the max deal? Do you is is it that that monster of New York City, the media, the fans, everywhere he goes, just goes gets a hot dog and probably gets cussed out by some bastard on the street? Is it all of that factored in? What are you what are your thoughts with it? I think New York is a is a very tough, tough, tough place to play. You know, I mean look, you've got internet trolls and you got like fake media, you know, like that that just kill you and all that like the low level media but now you've got actually big like new york post you know and and all that stuff going on in new york and the fans are hard on you you know fans the fans are behind you but they could be really tough and i i think that you know when everything was rolling last year and you know he was doing so well i think it it wasn't easy for him because it's not easy to do what he did what he did but i think that once you start listening to the, you know, we start reading press and you start reading tweets and you start paying attention to that stuff, it can get you. It's very hard to be the best player on any NBA team, let alone a New York team. And I think that it's tough and they're struggling. They're not playing well. Um, they do have other players that sort of like, you know, have, have gotten some chances that like probably taken away from his offense a little bit. You know, Barrett's taking more stuff, Fournier, you know, Kemba Walker and and all that quickly's, you know, taking a little bit away from it. But um I think it's getting to him. And I think the pressure of not winning games and then who are you gonna blame? Who's the media and fans gonna blame? The guy who's making the most money on your roster and the all-star. It's gonna be Julius Randle. And look, like that's why, like when Kobe played, he 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 didn't have Twitter. He didn't have any of that. And he goes, I don't, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to like read that stuff every day. It wouldn't affect me, but, but he goes, but it's a waste of your time because then you just get like, he goes so too many of my young kids that are on our team, like they pay attention to that and it really eats at them. And so why would you care about what anyone thinks? But that's, that's what we do with the social media world that everybody becomes soft. Everybody becomes you know, a victim of it, not a victim, but they just, they just, they live it, they serve it. They, they, they want to feed into it. And it's just, it, it impacts you. And I, I think Randall's a really good kid. Look, he went to school in a mile and a half from my house, you know, this little school called Prestonwood real. I mean, it's a, it's a church team, you know, it's a high school sponsored by a church, a mega church. And, but it's like small environment, 
Plano, Texas. It's like, it's not huge. It's not a big time school. And uh, I like, guess as far as like 80,000 kids or anything stupid like that. So like he goes from there to playing one year in college and then he goes to the NBA and Lakers breaks his leg, whatever. And then he goes, you know, he ends up at the Knicks. And I think this, the media and everything just, yeah, I think he's reading into it too much and he, he's letting it affect him. And yeah, he's got to get, he's got to get himself out of it. Probably the best way to get himself out of it is just get in the fucking gym and cancel all the social media accounts. It's, yeah, just I think he's a huge work. social guy at the moment anyway. Um, but I think the New York thing definitely is playing on his mind. You know, um, as soon as you go back at Knicks fans on your home floor, no matter how bad you want to do it, it's probably on the list of things you don't do um, because they they love that shit and they're just going to now go at you even if you're playing well. But like I said, 18.5, 9.9, so 18 and 10, five assists. Not having a horrible year by any means. Not no. having as good of a year last year. So my, my advice would be for people around him, advising him, would be exactly that. It'd just be, hey, like you're not having a horrible year. You're not playing as well as you did last year. Your three balls deserted you a little bit, but you're okay, man. You're okay. Chill the fuck out. You know, continue on. Get get your team into the playoffs, and then have a good playoff series. And no one talks about this again. That that'll be my advice to him. But we'll watch that space. Finally, uh, last two things: Draymond Greens has signed a deal with Turner Sports Pro. Um, interested? I, I try to. It's a hard thing to research. Got to get stat muse on it. But I think he might be the first active player in the NBA to to to, to sign a deal like that. Have you heard of anyone else back in the day? Because I. I can't remember. I don't think Sha I think Shaq was retired when he was doing when he started up with them. Yeah, the the only guys Bogues that I've ever heard do that is they do it for the playoffs when they get eliminated, but they don't have a deal. Like he's got a podcast too, doesn't he? Somebody told me. Yeah, yeah, he does. He he, he just does it like on. Uh, I think he's got a podcast, and then he'll do the live video on Instagram. Sometimes I'll drop some clips, but but yeah, to do it, he's basically doing it in season. Um, so he'd have to fly into. Probably Atlanta, and that's where they do it from, I believe. That's that's strange as well from the Bay Area, where you know, even if it is only a couple of times a year, it's a hell of a flight to go do some media for. So I assume you do it when he's probably on the East Coast for a road trip. But just interesting tidbit. I mean, you don't you don't see that very often. The times are changing. You know, the media players, everyone's thinking outside the box and doing doing things that are non traditional. I like it. Um, I don't think he's a guy where it'll, it will affect his play because I've seen him ball out on one hour sleep you know like he's he's that kind of guy like he just once he's on the court it doesn't matter what happened before um he's ready to go so just an interesting one because you just don't you just don't see it very often i think it, you know listeners out there let us know if you know anyone else in the nba at least that has signed a i know what's happened in the afl australian rules football i think luke hodge was one that had a media deal while he was playing toward the end of his career but in the nba i, I ever rarely see this um it could be a first so we will uh, we'll watch that space. Finish off Aaron Baines' article, bro. I'm not sure if did you, did you happen to read that. I did read it. Yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting. I I I heard something about him in a bathroom um, during the Olympics, but I didn't really get the story. And yeah, I'd be interested. It was an interesting deal as far as how it impacted him. And but then like the fall that he took. Now, folks, he took the fall before he. Something in like layup lines or yeah, a game so taken out. I mean, not rumors. He's he's gone on record to say that against Nigeria, which was the first game of the tournament, came out at halftime, um, and he had hand sanitizer on and just went for a stock standard dunk and, and came off the rim and fell um, and felt felt a little bit of pain. And 
I guess we can blame put that down as a COVID injury pro, can't we? Because of the hand sanitizer. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that, that was when he first, I guess, felt some of the pain. Um, and that wasn't, you know, that wasn't really noted by anybody. Um, but then, like, what game was it? It was one of the games later on in the tournament. Um, went to the bathroom and basically quoted as, you know, the team doctor was then summoned to the locker room um, to check on, you know, why hasn't Baines come out? Um, they found him in the locker room on the tile floor near the bathroom. He was sprawled out, blood on his uniform and on the floor from two deep inexplicable puncture wounds in his upper arm. Now that has been reported by by Aaron in, in this article as two shower uh, sh- shower towel hooks that were on the wall. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, he, he was in and out of consciousness. Um, uh, they had to get him on a stretcher out of there. Um, so much so they got him on a stretcher, then he had to go to the bathroom. So he got off the stretcher to go to the bathroom, immediately fell to the floor. So obviously something neuro- neurological going on. He's hit, he's hit something, um, whether it was in, in his arm or neck or, or whatever it was. Um, but just a crazy story. Um, you know, there were other rumors floating around at the time about who knows what's happened. Has he has he punched a wall? Has he done this? That That's what we were, you know, these are just rumors. I'm not confirming him or denying him, but that's what people thought. Like, what's going on? How did he hurt himself in a locker room? Um I mean, this explains it a little bit better. You know, he he had a pre-existing injury that um, that had that had hindered him from the start of the tournament. He played through it, um, and just yeah, just wasn't wasn't in a good spot. But but I mean, the kicker to this is he then had to go to a Japanese hospital right in smack bang in the middle of COVID. Um, he's quoted as saying, "The loneliest time in my life was laying in that hospital." going in and out of consciousness and going over my life plan and my goals and just crying. That was his quote. And you hear that and there's, there's getting injured and then there's getting injured in the NBA and there's getting injured in a foreign country where you don't know the language. He said he had, I spoke to him a couple of times during his time in hospital and he's a big foodie pro. Like he's, he's, he's all about briskets and slow roasts and steaks. I'm like, how you doing, man? And he's like, man, the food, I just, he's like, it's, 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 basically microwave rice and some sort of pushed up protein every day. I'm, I'm struggling, I'm struggling more with, more with that than the pain, you know? So, um, tough man. I mean, Delavadova got, um, a couple of guys and, and went over there and had to go through all this protocol of filling paperwork with COVID. And they finally got in and he said that really helped, helped him. But I believe he had to fly back to Australia on, on I'm not sure how he did it, but that's a, was basically still on, on a stretcher at that point when they got him down here and, um, just knuckled down and, and rehabbed and he's doing much better. He was at the Brisbane Bullets game the other night, a couple of weeks, couple, about a week ago. He's walking, he's looking like he's progressing to get back to to some sort of um, basketball prowess. So he's you know noted as still trying to have goals to get back to the NBA. Um, I'm not sure you know if that's, if that's plausible. I hope it is, but otherwise the NBA will definitely be knocking on his door. I know he's based... Um, I think in, in, in Queensland. So, you know, th- there could be some opportunities there, maybe the Brisbane Bullets, so who knows, but he um, he's trying to make a comeback and, and you just hope basketball side, um, for me looking at this is who gives a shit. I just hope he doesn't have any long-term effects of, of, of what has happened, both neurologically, both function, the functionality of his body. I know he's got young kids that he's, he's one of those hands-on dads, loves to get in amongst it with his kids. You just hope that doesn't hinder any of that. So if it doesn't and he rehabs and gets back, fantastic. So um, for everyone out there wondering, yeah, really 
a really in-depth story if you go to go to ESPN.com. The heading is The Mysterious Fall and Harrowing Story of an NBA Center. Give that a Google on ESPN.com and, and have a read. It's um it's a pretty nice-sized article, pretty in-depth, which you don't see these days. There's nothing clickbait about it. Everything's in there. Um, but he's yeah, he's noted as saying, I don't know what the path will look like, but I'm gonna give it one hell of a crack. So we wish we wish Aaron Baines all the best, bro. Yeah, you hear such a you hear so many good stories about the guy. He's supposed to be a really nice guy, good, great teammate, hardworking, really tough. And um, but as a human being, you just want to make sure he's okay, you know. And I've heard great things. I don't know him. I never met him. I've coached against him when I was in Dallas. But um, you know, I wish him nothing but the best as far as his rehab and trying to get better. And you know, hopefully he can get back in the court. But I just hopefully he's just functional as a human being to the best of his ability throughout the rest of his life. So hopefully that doesn't derail him any much, you know, much longer than it already has. So hundred percent. That's a, he's got a, he's got a nice little book to write when he's all, all said and done. That's for sure. Without question. Mm. Without question. Or a podcast. Rogue Baines. Please do. He can buy <laughs> my share out. <laughs> he can buy my share out. Yeah, yeah. Give me some foodie, give me some foodie restaurants and uh, some, gift cards and I'll, and I'll sell them my shit. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, stats useful and useless. Got some decent ones. Bro, Bismack Biombo. Name you, oh, don't, wow. you don't hear very often. You don't hear spoken about very often. His last six games, bro, 14.8 points, 10.8 rebounds, 68% field goal percentage. That's the effect of Chris Paul, right? But useful or useless? <sighs> that's, that's a tough one. I mean, I'd say it's useful. I mean, I, uh, yeah, it's useful. I mean, the guy could real, the guy could play a little bit, and he's got some stuff left in the tank. He plays hard, and look where it is. I mean, it's not that hard to be a double double guy, especially on an all on a high level team with great gods, especially one of the best point kids of all time. So I think it's useful because I don't think a lot. Of, I mean, the guy was out of the league, right? Like. He was signed through COVID. I don't think anyone really signed him until the COVID stuff hit. And I think people just had him for dead, like in, as far as an NBA player. Like, I don't think, I think he was out. And to go out and now averaging 14 and 10 over six games. And I mean, I watched the guy play. It seems like he could probably do this all year if he gets the minutes. You know, I know most of it was done when Aiton was out, but. I think the guy's not bad. I mean, I think the guy's a good player. He's not a skilled player. I don't think he could score 10 points in the gym by himself for four hours, but, you know, I don't Except think he's Except for the last six, he's at 14.8. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he runs the floor, he rebounds, he rolls to the rim, he ducks in, like stuff like that he can do for sure. Great and I backup think with role. the guys that know how to pass. Yeah, great yeah. backup. Yeah, yeah good backup big. player. And he, yeah. got a, he made his name from, he got paid basically on blocking LeBron James at the rim countless amount of times in that playoff series versus Cleveland Toronto many, many years ago. So he's very athletic. Um, and if you just, you know, set a screen, roll hard, offensive rebound, block shots, he's going to make a, a very good living in the league. But just just some surprising numbers that you don't really hear much about Bismarck Biombo. And I think the reason why I say it's um, useful is it shows a C, CP3 effect. This is a guy that's Bismarck Biombo bounced around the league, hasn't really stuck, hasn't played that well. Goes in a good system where he knows his role, knows what he's doing. CP3 gets in the ball when he needs it, close to the rim to dunk, bang, doing well. So I would say it's it's useful for that fact. Next one, 
Jokic, the last six games, bro, 29.3 points, 13.1 rebounds, 10.5 assists, clips, 59%, 45% from three, 93% from the line. I mean, I think he's – if I call it – if I had to call it today, he's my MVP. Um, I think he is. And I would basically factor that in with who else – who has the worst – out of our MVP candidates, Joel Embiid, Giannis, um, KD, Jokic, maybe factor Luka in there. Jokic has the worst roster, in my opinion, by far. far. And that's not disrespecting that roster. It's clear as day. No Michael Porter Jr., no Jamal Murray. And to see what he's doing and they're still competitive in the West. No, hey, hey, no ball, ball. No ball, ball, yeah. (laughs) Trade got reneged, yeah, exactly. Um, But that's why I'm saying this. I think Embiid's having a fantastic run as well. Um, you know, Steph's down, fell, fell a little bit with his shooting, but roster to roster wise, he easily, it's not even close. That's the, the Nuggets out of the MVP candidates. So you got Milwaukee, you got Brooklyn, you got, you know, Dallas, Golden State. Um, it's, 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 to me, it's not even close. And I think if he continues along this trajectory, like, it's just not getting enough attention. I think there's still people that are, you know, Joel Embiid, Giannis are still up there. But man, that roster is is not a great roster and they're, they're competitive. That's all Jokic. What are your thoughts? Useful or useless? Yeah, that's, that's useful. That's definitely useful. I mean, the guy, to do that and still be an MVP candidate, you know, with, with a team like that and still, comp- I mean, they're still a little bit competitive too, like you know, as far as playoffs and stuff. Not not to do anything in the playoffs, but I mean, they did to lose what he lost with Murray and Porter and the other guys that he lost to still be in the playoff hunt is crazy to me. I mean, he's I think it's definitely useful. I mean, the guys, the guy's one of the best players in the league. I mean, if not the best player in the league, I, I definitely think it's a useful stat. Yeah, and the, the other thing I'd counter with people saying, "Oh, it's you know." Rosters are similar. If you put just Giannis or just Embiid or just Luca on that Denver roster, would they do the same? Who knows? You know what I mean? But I think um, I think he's done very, very well and it will be interesting to see. I think this is one of the closest, closer races we've had in a number of years. So we'll watch that space. Next one, all-star votes from players. <laughs> so we spoke about earlier that players can vote. Ben Simmons got two votes and John Wall got one vote. They've both played zero minutes this season, pro. Useful, useless. It's useful to to tell you how fucking stupid people are these days, uh, you know, to do some shit like that. I mean, it's give me a fucking break, you know. Like someone said that Ben Simmons and John Wall obviously voted for each other, (laughs) but then then it leaves us with one extra vote going to Ben Simmons. And and my whole point with all-star voting, name and shame. Name and shame the voters. I, w- I want to see who's doing, I want to know who's voted. Name and shame, it will eradicate a lot of this shit because there was, there were people back in the day, even journalists that were doing stupid shit like this, like voting in guys that were like not even playing minutes or whatever, right? So I, I think you name and shame this, I think it changes a lot, but that's, it's useful to show the stupidity of, I don't know if the players were just having a laugh and making fun of shit, but that's just bad in my opinion. So whoever voted for those two guys, you're just taking the piss out of out of the whole thing. Fact or fake news, the Sack the Sack King's death segment. Let's go. All right. So it's gonna be a Sack King segment tonight. Fact and fake news. Bogues. There's a lot. I mean, there are some shit show organiza- organizations. Is the Sacramento Kings the worst run organization in the NBA? 
today? Facts. I'm sorry. Sacramento Kings are the worst run organization in the NBA. Fact or fake news? Oh, today, fact. That'd have to be. I mean, it's a circus. It's a circus. You, you know, like I said, um, they've got... They got no mo about who they are and what they're doing, what they're trying to be, where they're trying to go. What are you trying to do? Like we've said, OKC, young, not great win loss wise, but you can see a method to that madness. You can see what's going on. Um, fact, I think they are as of today, right, right now, of current, they are the worst run organization in the NBA. It is not even fucking close. They are the worst run organization in the NBA, in my opinion, since getting hired. You know, since getting hired, I mean, since taking over the team. They've changed coaches one, two. So they've had Keith Smarter as a coach since like 2012. I think that's when he took over. You had Keith Smarter as a coach, Mike Malone for two years, George Carl for a year, Dave Yeager for three, Walton for three, you know, Walton for two and eight, 17 games. And, you know, you're changing your coach, you're changing your GM, you've changed like three times. You traded, you drafted, you know, you drafted. Marvin Bagley over over Luka Doncic. Now, a little bit to that, look, Vlade Divac is a really good guy. Like, good guy, you know, well-respected guy like that for sure. But he's a European guy. And he ha- you hired him to run your team. And you get a European guy that's supposed to know Europe and you don't you draft Marvin Bagley over <laughs> over, yeah, you, know, over, over you know, Luka. Like, here, that's my thing. Like, Look, in some drafts, you don't you might mess up on a guy and you might mess up like like if you draft Aiton over Luca, right? At least Aiton's gonna be an all-star. He's probably gonna be a multiple year all-star. He's gonna be a really good player, and you're good to go. But you drafted Marvin Bagley, no offense to Marvin Bagley. On his best day, he's like a fifth starter in the NBA. Fifth starter, maybe. You drafted that guy over a generational player who's gonna win multiple MVPs in his career. And then with the coach thing and the GM thing and the roster and just, you just can't get it right. So yes, like that's how I sort of picture how much of a shit show an organization is. First of all, like your head coaches, your, your, your front office, are you changing them every other year, every year, every other year are, you know, that your press, the players that you sign, the players that you draft over whatever players that you missed out on, like all that stuff wrapped up in one and they're just erratic. And that's why I think they're a shit show. They can't get out of their own way and they're going to do something else. Now they'll hire some other guy and that, you know, it's, it's, it's just one endless circle. It's just going to like, they're going to do the same shit. So that's you're, what I'm so you're a hard yeah. factor, I would assume. Oh fuck yeah, like yeah, that's a. Fu- I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put a new segment. Fucking fact. Mm-hmm. All right, that's the fucking fact. So I just think they are because they're too erratic for me. Is there an untouchable roster? A player on. I'm sorry. There is no untouchable ro- player on the Sacramento Kings roster for trade. Fact of fake news. There is no untouchable player. Yeah. Fact. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'd move anyone on that roster. So that they, they don't have a piece that I'm like, absolutely no, this is our guy we're putting around him. Um, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, so I would, I would say uh, there isn't, there is not fact. Yep, fact. Yeah, there, yeah, there's no, there's nobody. Look, like they got some nice little players. They got Fox is a nice player. Don't get me wrong. 
but he hasn't shown that he could win. He can't. Sh- he hasn't shown that he could lead. He hasn't showed that he's taking this thing serious. He's a talent, no doubt about it. He could play. He could put up points, but he, he he's just not there. You know, Halliburton. You know, good player. Don't get me wrong. Nice player, but I mean, who are we kidding? He's not. He's nothing that I, I wouldn't. I would say that like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take trades for. It. Then you got Buddy Hield. Same thing. Good shooter. He'll really shoot. Can really make shots. But he's just not really. You know, he's definitely not untouchable. Holmes, nice player. Don't get me wrong, but he's not untouchable. Harrison Barnes. I just want to free him. I want to free him from Shawshank and, and and put him to a team that he can win because he he deserves better than what he's got with that team. You know, because he's such a good fucking guy, one of the best pros I've ever met, and you know he needs to get to get the fuck out of there. But like, there's nobody un- untradeable. So no, I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's fact. There's definitely, there's nobody that is untouched on that roster. That whole roster is tra- tradable for sure. Um, can they? Now, with all that being said, uh, can they be a playoff team within three years? Fake news. Hell no. I don't. I don't see that. No, I mean, I, I think OKC are going to be probably within that third year battling, maybe. And then that's, that's you know, being optimistic. Um, but yeah, <laughs> when you compare them to, to an OKC or a team that's rebuilding, I think Orlando's got a better chance of making the playoffs before Sacramento does. So fake news and a half on that one. Yeah, you know, I thought about it. And, and look, they were close a couple of years ago too. That's the fucked up. I'm thing. saying playoffs, bro. Couple- by the way, not none of this playing shit. Whenever I talk playoffs, it's you make the top eight. So if you get to the playing, that yeah. doesn't count. Oh, then yeah, then I'm totally out of my fucking realm here. But yeah, for sure they're not making. For you know, that it, it's fake fucking fact, uh, fake news. I mean, there's no chance. I mean, with the teams ahead of them, there's nobody that's gonna plummet past them. You know, there's no chance. I. I think that they, in the next three years, they might be able to be a plan, but I just don't trust anything about this organization right now. So I would say fake news. Is, uh, right now, there's no chance they're a playoff team in the next three. Totally agree. It'd be nice, but yeah, it's not going to happen. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet anything on it, not even a raisin. So all right, everyone, <laughs> Rugbogs 51 is in the books. Appreciate everyone joining us. A reminder for our calling that it is done weekly. If you want to join and ask some questions, please download the calling app, join our page, and you can jump on and get your voice on the podcast when we periodically release um, the Q&A segment. But otherwise, you get to listen to it on the calling app. Appreciate everyone's support. We will see everyone, and you will hear from us again next week. Thank you. Maybe I'll get hired on that one tweet today. So if I'm not here next week, guys, I will be at the with the Indiana Pacers. Go Pacers. Later, bro. Yeah, go Pacers. Yeah. Later, guys. <laughs>